Good morning, Central Church. If you're watching us online this morning, we're so glad you're joining us, whether it's Facebook Live or our, our uh, uh, website, uh, or if you're over in Overflow, or if you're in the concourse, wherever you are this morning, or here sitting with us in the worship center, we are really glad that you're with us this morning. Um, quick announcement. Uh, when, when Tom, just to follow up on his announcement, when he says, hey, we're, we're doing this tomorrow, uh, this wasn't the first time that we announced that. <laughs> so we've been announcing this for weeks and communicating for weeks, and just that tomorrow's the deadline, so we wanted to make sure you knew that if you were going to switch that over, you could do that today before tomorrow. Second thing is, this is the weekend that we're going to receive a benevolent offering. Uh, we do that at the end of our service, no pressure, there'll be a, 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 a usher at the door with a basket, and if you want to contribute to help financially people in our church and outside of our church that need some help, uh, you can just drop something in there generously, and that would be greatly appreciated. All right, we are continuing a series called Extraordinary. If you haven't been around for a while, it's, it's a study in the Sermon on the Mount which is Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, we've been in, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 going through that, and we're going to continue with that this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the sacred words of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, that, that they are our absolute source of faith, and they are our, our rule of conduct. And uh, we pray this morning, Lord, that your word would be life to us not burdensome. Your word says your commands are not burdensome, but we pray that they would be life-giving. We pray that as we uh, put into practice the things we study this morning, that we would find liberty and freedom in our lives. We would find greater joy and greater fulfillment in life as we uh, seek to do what you want us to do, Lord. So help us this week to apply the teachings of Scripture, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. Uh, the disciples of Jesus walked with him for three years. They, they, they saw his life up close and personal. Uh, they, they noticed that he lived an extraordinary life. They, they saw the power that he walked in. They saw the love that he walked in. They, they saw the intimacy that he had with his father. Um, and they wanted that for themselves. But, but they made a really wise connection. They recognized that the extraordinary life of Jesus was connected to the prayer life of Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And essentially what they were saying was, Lord, teach us to live the life that, that you live because we recognize that it's through prayer, your prayer life that produces these fruits that we see in your life. And so so they, they come and so the Lord responds to their request to teach them to pray with the Lord's prayer. And in Luke's version, in Luke 11, it's a little bit shorter version. Um, than it is in, in Matthew's version. But um, Jesus gives them the prayer and the, the structure of the prayer is really significant because the first half of the prayer focuses on God and the second half of the prayer focuses on us and our needs. And, and it's almost like God, Jesus was saying that, that when you come to prayer, um, you need to begin with a revelation of God. You need to begin with who God is because who you believe God is is going to shape your prayer. It's going to to determine how you pray, and it's going to determine what you pray. And I shared that, you know, the Lord's Prayer was never meant to just be recited without thinking about it. And a lot of people do that today. They just say it, they know it by memory, but it doesn't mean anything to them. And, and so Jesus wanted us to see this as a model prayer that, that, that we walk through on a regular basis, and, and God helps to navigate. And I, and I said, I think Jesus has given us five pictures or five divine images of God in the Lord's Prayer to help simplify this prayer. 
So let's walk through those again. The very first thing I said, beginning in verse 1, Jesus said, we need to see God as a loving Father. If you didn't see that teaching, go back and on our archives on our website. Watch that teaching. It gives a lot of insight about what does it mean to approach God as a loving Father. Then Jesus says, approach Him as a sovereign King. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Last time we talked about the fact that God is a generous host. A generous host. Give us today our daily bread. And today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus wants us to see God, I believe, as a gracious redeemer. As a gracious redeemer. Would you stand with me this morning? We are going to recite the Lord's Prayer together. If you know it by memory, please say it in whatever version you know it in. If, if you're not that familiar with it, we're going to put one version of it up on the screen. Um, but just pray it in the version that you know. This will be kind of our opening prayer this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you very much. The sacred words of Christ. When Jesus wanted us to know how to pray, he gave us these words. They are directly from him. Words that will empower our prayers and help us to become more like Jesus. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The only line in the entire prayer that's only for us and not for Jesus. Jesus never would have prayed this. Jesus was sinless. Jesus didn't need to ask the Father to forgive his sins or his debts. But Jesus knew that the extraordinary life that he lived and that he wanted us to live was empowered by intimacy with God the Father. Intimacy was, with God was the, the, the very um, uh, means through which we are, are strengthened and empowered to live this life. And Jesus knew that sin would keep us from intimacy with God. In essence, keep us from the extraordinary life. So, so Jesus says, when you pray, include in that prayer on a daily basis, God, forgive me. He wants us to deal with our sin every day. It's that serious. It's that much of a hindrance to the, to the extraordinary life that God has called us to, that Jesus gave us these sacred words, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. As we think about the Lord's Prayer this morning, I, I just want to, as we walk through that, um, what do we learn from Jesus in that one verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12? What's the, what, and I want to share three thoughts with you this morning about what we learn in this verse through Christ. And, and the first is that Christians need forgiveness. Christians need forgiveness. So, so the very first words of verse 12, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. So, the fact that Jesus begins this prayer with our Father, our Father, or my Father in heaven, that, that indicates that there's already an existing relationship with God, right? So this is a prayer for those that are in relationship with God. This is the prayer for Christians. These are, this is a prayer for those that are following Christ. We already have a relationship with Jesus. And he says that we need to, we need to include in our daily prayer this issue of Forgiveness. Why, why would Jesus say every day, pray that God would forgive 
your sin because we'll never be perfect in this life. We'll never attain to moral perfection in this life. Uh, we'll never outgrow the need for forgiveness and grace. So th th there's some things in life that no matter how mature we become, we never outgrow the need for those things. Physically, you'll never outgrow the need for food. You'll never outgrow the need for water. You'll never outgrow the need for oxygen. You will die if you don't have those things. So you never get so mature or developed in life that physically you don't need those things. Emotionally, you never outgrow the need for love. You never outgrow the need for friendship. You never outgrow the need for encouragement. We always need those things to constantly help us grow emotionally. And we will never overcome, we will never outgrow the need for grace, the need for God's forgiveness in our life spiritually. So, so John comes along in, in 1 John. The, the whole thing we're saying here is Christians need forgiveness. And so in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, John says this. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to the church. If you're a Christian today, he's writing to you. And he says this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all sin unrighteousness. He says you're, you're not in the truth. You're, you're not aligned with God's truth if you're a Christian and you say that you don't have sin. If you're a Christian and you say, I don't have need of cleansing from God from my sin, you're deceiving yourself. John, John is writing to Christians and he says, you need to confess your sin on a regular basis. That's why Jesus gives us this part of the prayer is because Christians need forgiveness. Now, I want to draw your attention at this point in the prayer to the fact that, that God is concerned with every part of our person, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, everything we are, God wants us to live life to the full and to maximize that. So the verse before that says, give us today our daily bread. And I said in that teaching that that, that bread represents more than physical needs. It represents emotional needs and, and mental needs, that God wants to meet all of those things. And now we come to this verse, and it seems to deal with the spiritual aspect of our life. Lord, forgive us our, our sin. So we need daily bread to revive us physically and emotionally. And, and we need daily grace to revive us spiritually. God, God is concerned with the whole person, not just physical, not just emotional, not just mental, but spiritual as well. Everything that we are, he wants us to have life. And so he gives us this verse saying that we need forgiveness from God. We need to ask God for forgiveness. That begs the question, the, the, very, uh, the very part of the prayer that says we should ask for forgiveness begs the question, well, if, if when I became a Christian, if when I committed my life to Christ, if when initially I, be, I, I became a Christian and had my sin forgiven, why as a Christian now do I need to keep asking for forgiveness? It's a good question. In other words, if, 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 if because of God's forgiveness when I came to him, I'm now in a right relationship with him, what do I need cleansing for? What, what do I need to keep asking God forgiveness for? And Jesus answers that question in John chapter 13. Jesus deals with that. Let me give you the context before we read the scripture. It's the Last Supper. Jesus has gathered with his disciples for the last Passover meal they're going to share together before he goes to the cross. It's the night before the cross. The disciples begin to show up at the house where they had prepared the meal, and, and they come in, and you remember how full of themselves the disciples were. They, they argued about things like, who's the greatest among us? 
And, and, and they, they weren't really servant-hearted at that point. And they all walk in and, and nobody volunteers to wash the feet of the other disciples. And it had to grieve Jesus. He's been with them over three years. And, and they're still all full of themselves, not thinking about serving one another. There was no servant to do it in the house. So Jesus grabs a towel. Jesus girds himself with a towel. He finds a, a wash basin. He fills it with water. And he goes around and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And he comes to Peter, the apostle Peter. Here's what, how the story continues. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. This is going to have a, a, a greater impact on you as you think about the implication of this. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You have no relationship with me. This is essential. Then, Lord, that's the case, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head also. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is already clean, and you are all clean, though not every one of you. Jesus was saying, uh, 11 of you are, but, but he was speaking of Judas, who would later betray him. Not all of you are clean. So, so Jesus says to Peter, essentially, if you're saved, you don't need to be born again again if you sin." If you're a Christian and you've already been washed completely by the blood of Christ and your sins have been forgiven, when you sin, you, you don't need a bath again. You just need Jesus to wash your feet. Because as we walk through life, we, we step in the dust of the world. And the dirt of the world clings to us. And so while it doesn't affect our salvation, it does affect something else. It affects our intimacy with God. And so, so Jesus says, let me wash your feet, Peter, because you've picked up some things from the world as you've traveled in your day and in your, in your journey. My mom, when I was a little kid, she, she would, I'd play out in the backyard in the grass and, and area, back when kids actually played and didn't do video games, but that's a different sermon. So. Um, we're play, I, I play in the backyard and then I'd be ready to come into the house and she could hear me running up toward the door and she'd say, take your shoes off, I don't want you tracking that stuff in the house, right? She knew something about Jeff. She knew that Jeff had a propensity for finding dirt. I was good at it. If there was dirt, out, if there was mud out there, if there was dog poo out there, I found it. I stepped in it, all in it, and it was all over my shoes. My mom knew that. And so she said, take your shoes off. Don't, don't track that in on my, on my clean carpet. And you know what? Jeff still has a propensity to find dirt. I, I still have a propensity as I go through my day to step into words that I shouldn't have said. I, I still think thoughts that I shouldn't think. I still treat people in a way that I shouldn't treat people. Jeff still finds dirt in his life morally and spiritually. I think you might too. I think maybe as you go through your day, at the end of the day, you might look back and go, oh, I stepped in that again today. Oh, that was, that was all over my shoes. Lord, forgive me and cleanse and wash my feet. See, there's an, there's an adverse effect for a Christian having dirty feet. 
it's, it's not affecting your salvation, but as I mentioned, it affects your intimacy with God. And remember what I said at the very beginning, Jesus knew that the extraordinary life was empowered by intimacy with God, and he knew that sin would keep us from intimacy with God. And so Jesus wants us to deal with our sin every day. There's a, there's a great example of this concept of dirty feet keeping us from God's purpose. And it's illustrated by the priests in the tabernacle. Remember, the tabernacle was the temporary uh, temple in the wilderness. It was just a tent. But it was a tent where the priests met with God. And here's in Exodus 30 what God tells Moses. He says, make a bronze basin or wash bowl and, and make a stand for it out of bronze for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar. Tent of meeting is a tabernacle. And put water in it. Aaron and his sons, Aaron was the high priest, are to wash their hands and their feet with water from the wash basin. And whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. They need to follow the protocol to come into God's presence. You see, the tabernacle was the place that the priests served God. It was the place that they met with God. And the, the, the most inner room in the, in the tabernacle was called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, and only once a year. And when they went in there, whether it was Moses or Aaron, whoever was the high priest, it says that at the mercy seat, God spoke to them intimately, face to face like a man speaks to his friend. That was the place of intimacy. In order for the priest to step into that place of knowing God at a deeper level, walking in greater intimacy with him, hearing his voice, having their heart close to his, required washing before they went in. They had to wash their feet. They had to wash their hands, symbolizing the fact that we don't, we don't just, just come into and begin to act like everything's okay if we've got sin in our lives. See, sin's going to hinder you from, from hearing God more clearly. It does not in my life. Man, if I'm, if I'm ignoring sin or if I'm walking in sin, I, I rarely really hear God's voice very clearly. If I want that, that deeper place of knowing God, I need to come to this place in the prayer and say, Lord, forgive my sin. Forgive my debts. Because all Christians sin, and all Christians need what? Forgiveness. The second thing that Christians need is redemption. Christians need redemption. Before we jump into that, I want to take a minute and pray. I want to pray this prayer together. And I want to ask you, what have you stepped in today that's inappropriate? What have you stepped in this week? this last week that's inappropriate? What, what's on your feet right now that Jesus needs to cleanse? If you were like Peter, what, what, what's the dust and dirt on your feet that, that Jesus would say, Peter, let me, let me wash that from you so that you can be clean before me? Would you bow your heads? Jesus, we thank you for the wisdom of these words. We thank you that you knew everything about us and you knew what it was that would help us to live the life you've called us to. And it includes forgiveness. And Lord, we, we ask that you would forgive us our debts. We, we confess this morning, Lord, that our feet have stepped in things that are inappropriate. Inappropriate words or inappropriate thoughts or inappropriate actions. And, and Jesus, we humble ourselves like Peter had to. And we allow you and ask you to wash our feet. That, that we might be clean, that we might be accepted by you, that we might be able to enjoy the intimacy of conversation with you. 
that we'd be able to hear your voice and walk at that deeper level of knowing you, God. That, so Lord, we're honest this morning with those things in our heart and simply ask you to forgive us our debts in Christ's name. Everybody said? Amen. Christians need redemption. Christians need redemption. Matthew, in his account of the Lord's Prayer, uses the word ophilema, uh, is a word that means it's translated debts. It means to owe something, something that's due. It means a, a delinquency. In Luke's account of the, the Lord's Prayer, in Luke 11, verse 4, he uses two different words. The first one is harmatia, the Greek word, which means sin, clearly sin. But the second word that he uses is ophilema, same word Matthew uses that talks about debt or delinquency or owing something. And it's clear that both authors understand that sin has to do with indebtedness. Sin has to do with something that's owed. And Jesus says, ask God to forgive your debt. Ask God to forgive or cancel your debt. Now think about that for a second. Why would Jesus ask us to ask God to forgive the debt? Because we don't have the means of paying the debt. You can never pay off the, the price for your sin. You, you owe. There, there's a, there's a, a delinquency in your life with God because of sin that you can, you can never pay off. And so Jesus says to ask God to cancel the debt, to forgive the debt, to remove the debt. See, some people think that God is a debt consolidator. Do you know what a debt consolidator does? They, they either uh, work with the loan itself to make it easier to pay, or they refinance it. In some way, they make it easier, but you still have to pay. They just work with you on those payments. But God is not a debt consolidator. God is a debt remover. God is a debt canceller. See, if, if you believe that God is a, is a debt consolidator, then you're going to continually, even if, if you feel like I'm working with God to refinance my debt, so I just have to pay a little each month, you're still paying. And Jesus didn't say, ask God to reconsolidate your loan. He didn't, ask, he didn't say, ask God to refinance your debt. Yeah. Ask God to forgive it, which is ludicrous. Okay, so I have a car loan, and I have a loan on my townhome. Can you imagine me going to the bank and saying, hey, what would you guys think of, of canceling my car loan? What would the response be? I'm a nut job, right? Wait, wait, wait. No, you have to pay the debt. We'll work with you. We'll, we'll refinance that debt. We'll make it easier for you to pay that debt, but we're not going to cancel that debt. But Jesus says to ask the Father to actually cancel the debt. How can God cancel the debt that we owe if we don't have the means of paying it? Somebody had to pay for the debt. And God cancels. He doesn't refinance. He cancels our debt on the basis of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Come on, somebody. Someone else had to pay the debt because you and I couldn't pay it. The, the loan would only be canceled if there was a redemption price that was paid. Let's look in 1 Peter chapter 1. Knowing that you were not redeemed, that means purchased or paid for, with perishable things like silver or gold, from your futile ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with what? Precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, 
the blood of Christ. So as we approach God, it doesn't matter how big our sin, it doesn't matter how bad our sin, it doesn't matter how costly our sin, Jesus paid the price. Jesus went to the cross and completely removed the debt. And he didn't pay for it with gold and silver. He didn't ask to refinance the loan. He, he canceled it by giving his life on our behalf with his own blood, by giving his life for us. So, so we are no longer in debt to God because Jesus paid or redeemed us at the cross. So some of you may remember, maybe it was a year ago or so, Pastor Nathan Pruitt stood up here and he shared with you this great opportunity we had. There were 454 families in South Dakota that had medical bills that they couldn't pay, that was crushing them. And because they couldn't pay them, the, 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 the companies were trying to get, the insurance companies were trying to get their money from them, they couldn't pay. So it went to a collection agency. $876,000 worth of debt. 454 families, couldn't pay it. The collection agency realized that we're, we're not gonna get $876,000. So, so let's see if someone would buy this debt at a reduced cost. Let's see if we could sell this debt and get something out of it because we're not gonna get anything out of these people because they can't afford to pay it. And so Pastor Nathan heard about this company and he, and he called them and he said, hey, what would it cost us to release those 454 people from the $876,000 of debt? And the guy said, like, a little under $5,000. It's like, what? We could pay, like, $5,000 and release 454 families from a debt that they couldn't pay? He's like, that's right. So Nathan couldn't write that check fast enough. So we wrote this check, and, and, and they released and canceled the debt of 454 families who couldn't pay the debt. That's you and me, y'all, with God. The debt of sin was crushing us. We had no way to pay it off, and it went to a collection agency that Satan was running. Satan was in control of this collection agency, and Jesus came along and paid the debt so you and I could go free. Okay, so now let's say that those families said, yeah, we know that you paid the debt, but we just feel bad about that. So we're gonna, we're gonna keep paying toward that. Like what an insult, right? Like no, we, we paid for you. We, we wanted to release you, that's why we did it, so you could go free and now you're, you're still trying, like don't you understand grace? And when we keep trying to earn our salvation with God, we're insulting Christ. We're insulting the very thing that he did on the cross. We're, we're insulting him by saying your death wasn't enough. We feel like we need to keep working for our salvation. And Jesus says, I, I went to all that suffering, all that struggle for you so you could go free, so you could pray this prayer, Father, cancel my debt, amen? So I don't have to pay anymore, so I can walk in freedom and grace and not have to earn it anymore. Thank you, Lord. The third thing, that I want to say is that Christians not only need forgiveness and Christians not only re need redemption with Christ, which Christ paid, but Christians need to forgive. That's the second half of the verse. The first half of the verse says, forgive us our debts, cancel our debts. The second half says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. The first line of the prayer makes the second line possible. 
I can only forgive those who have sinned against me as I recognize the forgiveness that I have received from God. Don't be confused. I'm not forgiven because I forgive others. I forgive others because I'm forgiven. Amen? If I, if I was forgiven on the basis of my forgiveness, that would be salvation by works. I would be earning my way to heaven. But no, I forgive others because God has already forgiven me. The order of application is important. The daily reminder that my debt was canceled helps me from charging others who owe me. Amen? The, the daily reminder as I go before the Lord and humble myself and say, Father, forgive my debt today, is a good reminder that, that I'm not to charge other people what they owe me for their sin in my life. So, so think about this for a second. As I mentioned, I have a, I have a, a loan payment on my townhome. So what if someone came to Shirlene and I said, dude, you guys are really old now and you're near retirement, and we would love for you to, to have a retirement without a mortgage payment. Like, you know, if, just think if you could have that extra money to spend on other things in life, and, and, and we'd say, that's what I'm talking about. If anybody wants to do that here, you, you're, you're free to go ahead and pay off our mortgage if you'd like to. And, and so we say, that's great, so they do, they pay off our mortgage. And, and then we come across a person in, in life that, that made some mistakes and they don't have a place to stay. And they said, could we stay with you? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'll cost you 1000 a month. They're like, wait, wait, wait. You, you don't owe on that house. Oh, I know. But we're still going to charge you. That's what happens when your sin is forgiven, but you refuse to forgive others. God paid your house off. You don't, you don't owe anything on that. Like, what an incredible blessing. And then you're going to charge people? To stay with you? Like that's so backwards. That's why Jesus says when you pray, recognize how you've been forgiven and then reciprocate that in the lives of other people. Because when you do that, the people in your relational world, the people in your oikos, they see what God is like. When you communicate to them that God has forgiven me, who am I to withhold forgiveness from you? As God's forgiven me, I forgive you. They see what God's like. You've just witnessed to them about who Christ is. Jesus paid the price for me freely. I freely received grace and eternal life. I'm going to let you go. And I'm not going to charge you anymore. And I'm not going to punish you anymore. Why is it so easy for us to receive grace from God but not give it to others? Maybe it's because we, we quickly forget our sin, but we don't forget other people's sin. I do that. Like, I'm, you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at uh, uh, sinning. Well, I'm not that I'm really, I am really good at sinning, but, I, but I'm really good at sinning and then asking God for forgiveness and then forgetting about it and moving on. I, I forget that God really was gracious in, in forgiving me of that sin. But if someone sins against me, I don't forget that fast. I remember that one. And, and I can tend to hold on to that. And I can tend to not want to forgive them because I forget what God did in my life. Or maybe I think that my sin is less significant than their sin. That, that, you know, what I did didn't really affect God that much, but what they did really affected me, and so I'm not going to let that go and forgive them. You know, God wanted the, the people of Israel to understand this principle. And so he set up this principle in the Old Testament that would help them to remember that as they've been forgiven by God, as their debts have been canceled by God, they were to cancel the debts of others. Here it is in, in, in Exodus 
I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 15. God said at the end of every seven years, you must cancel your debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor or lender shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. Every seven years, if someone took out a loan from you, you canceled it no matter where they were in paying it back. Now, this, Israel was, a, was a, a culture that was dependent on loans. They, they were agricultural. They, they often needed to take out loans to get money just to buy seed to plant in their field. And then when they'd get, they'd get their crops, when the harvest would come in, they would, from the, the money that they got from selling the crops, they would pay the loan back. They understood these loans. That's why at another point in the scripture, God said, if you're near the end of the seven years, uh, don't harden your heart and not loan to people. Because <laughs> it's like, wait, 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 there's only six months left in this thing. And if I loan them this much money, they're going to be free from that in six months. God says, don't harden your heart. Because he wanted to teach them this principle of canceling the debts of other people. Every seven years, no matter what they owed you, you had to let it go. What a great principle, right? But we need to do it not in seven years. We need to do it right away. Because we've been forgiven by God. We need to release the debts of other people. Would you stand with me this morning? As you you stand this morning... Would you allow Christ on a daily basis as you pray this prayer, recognize he's a gracious redeemer, would you allow him to wash your feet? Would you ask him to to wash the dirt that you've stepped in? Do you believe that God has canceled your debt of sin no matter how big or small? Or are you still trying to pay back the loan? If God canceled your debt, are you willing to cancel the debt of those who have sinned against you? So much in this one little verse. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning as we end our time, I, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would help us to remember these words this week, that, that, that Christians need forgiveness, that Christians need redemption. We need someone that's willing to pay the price for our debt, and that because of that, God, we need to, we need to forgive others. Lord, as we, as we walk this week and as we step in dirt and unclean things, remind us that we need to come into your presence and ask you to lovingly wash us so that we can experience that deeper place of knowing you, knowing your presence and hearing your voice. Lord, this morning, this week as we walk into our relational world, as we encounter people that hurt us and insult us, mistreat us, abuse us, help us to remember these words that in the same way grace has been extended to us, so we extend it to others. That that there's a time for us to cancel the debt of those who have sinned against us. Give us the courage and willingness to do that this week. In Christ's name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, if if you need prayer for something along these lines of forgiveness or anything else, we're gonna have people up here praying for you this morning. Come on down, receive prayer. Benevolent offering at the door. God bless you, have a great, great day.